37 is when I really started thinking about death and dying and my future. So like, oh, I, I got that out of my teenage years. Don't worry. Yeah. I remember fantastic. 37 once. <laughs> once. We've lost Jamie to history. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Red Raccoon Games, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois and beyond. I'm your host, John Parrott, and with me today is the fantastic staff members of my friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. The people I've managed to lure into talking about games with me today are... Hey, it's Jamie. And this is Ariel. Yes, Ariel is another one of our gameologists, and this is your second time on the podcast. It is, it is. Very exciting. Ariel, Ariel is the master of all obscure RPG systems. That is true. We are blessed with a bunch of RPG players now in the store, but I will always say you are the one that knows... Like, any obscure thought that I throw out there about an RPG, you pick it up and have a two-hour conversation about it. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Feel free to cut me off. There's duct tape around here somewhere. Somewhere, yes. So, um, I guess my first question mm-hmm. for everyone today is, how was the store last week? How's things going in the store? Actually, really, really good. Um, I've been here since last August, and I'm really delighted that like 99.99% of our customers are really awesome and just great to deal with. Pokemon has been a riot. The kids are super, super happy with all the new Pokemon releases coming out. Uh, Our Warhammer communities come back. Like 40K is on the upswing. There's even some Necromunda since they've been doing new releases here. So overall, I'd say customers are really, really happy, and we keep getting tons of new product in, which keeps people just the hype train up. Now, I will say the horse heresy is becoming a thing again as well. Oh, yes. Released yesterday. So this is Sunday, the Mm -hmm. horse heresy, which is essentially Warhammer 30K. Uh, released yesterday and the new box set and a bunch of new accessories and new armies and a new book and yeah pretty cool pretty cool stuff i am blessed to say that i have never fully invested into warhammer though i have dove deep into the wiki so i understand the thought process it just upsets me that they don't progress the storyline except once every what 10 years so i'm just waiting for that new like version to tell me something new about the story yeah, they drop. Well, they uh, maybe a little bit more than every ten years, but um, because they drop a new version, and that usually seems to be when they progress the storyline. The new big box set, like uh, we just switched to ninth edition. Well, not just switched; it's probably been a year and a half at this point. But uh, every time they switch to a new version, that seems to be when we get a major uh, movement on the storyline, right there. So, is it? But, but. D&D does the same thing, right? Every time we go to a new version of D&D, we have this major cataclysm that rocks the Forgotten Realms, and, and then we move the storyline forward, and, and we go forward another 25 years. It just seems to be a publisher thing. It makes sense. You want people to have some time to actually like stretch their legs inside of the universe. I get that. I understand. Yes, I'm mainly excited about them bringing back the Spelljammer because I got all old novels, the paperbacks that are just yellowed and stained. Some of the pages are sticking together. I don't question about from eBay. (laughs) (laughs) I know Jamie has a copy that he has shown people as if they are like holy texts from a past land. I I found, um, actually right before they made the announcement, I was digging through some boxes in the attic. And I found my box of second edition stuff from college. And in that box was an almost pristine copy of the Legend of the Spelljammer box set. So, oh my God. Yeah, Ryan's got it right now. I actually loaned it to Ryan. She's been reading through it. So, because that box set is not the rules set, it is literally just, you know, the Spelljammer is the name of the setting, but it's mm-hmm. also the name of this massive ship. 
And so the box set is nothing but the details of all the stuff in the ship. Like the ship has a castle on the back of the, it's like a giant space manta ray that's mm-hmm. floating through space. And there's a castle and turrets and, and outer defenses and catapults and ballista and all this sort of stuff. And you get level by level breakdown back in the way they used to do it in second edition with quarter inch graph paper. And so, you know, I was looking at this on the scale. I'm like, this ship has got to be absolutely massive. Oh, my gosh. One thing that's been interesting is they have been releasing photos of the miniatures for Spelljammer. Uh, yeah. as Not only the people, but also ships. And seeing the details and designs that are coming out of that is amazing. But we still haven't seen the actual Spelljammer or any of the Spelljammer offspring that I think are part of the narrative as well. So I'm assuming that's going to be one of our, like, gargantuan sets that will eventually appear. It'd have to be. I mean, it's got to be, it's going to come in a box like a premium dragon set or something, you know. It's going to be a big box. Because even with the ships that they've shown us, this those ships dock at the Spelljammer, right? Kind of, and, and for any of us, any of you uh, sci-fi nerds out there that are Trekkies, think of the size of Deep Space Nine compared to the Enterprise. I think that's what we're talking about, right? Where the Enterprise just kind of pulls up to a single dock docking bay on the ring and and docks there. So that's, I think that's what we're going to be looking for. And I I hope it's awesome. It should be awesome. Well, they're trying their best to make it awesome. Normally, I would not have such a perfect transition. I'd have to really force it, but here we go. Uh, in the news, WizKids has unveiled the D&D Icons of the Realm showdown settings. And the first one they're doing is Temple of Light, which apparently is the adventure that's going to be included inside of the Spelljammer uh, the slipcase setting book. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Because the, 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 when it releases, it's going to be the core book and an adventure and a DM screen and like a little cool slipcase. For a pretty reasonable price of was it sixty nine dollars? Sixty nine nine nine, and we will actually be getting the alt covers for it too, which I've been trying to remind everyone. Friendly local game store perk. Nice. Now, when the uh, Icons of the Realm Shadow Setting uh, Showdown Setting comes out, it's actually going to include a box set of everything you need to run the adventure in a three D space, meaning that you're going to be getting miniatures, you're going to be getting terrain, you're going to be getting battle maps. Uh, all that can be reused. And one thing that's really been hitting people up is the fact that a Zotar is in there. I believe I'm spelling that correctly, which is a seven foot tall animated suit of ceramic armor that's known functionality is grabbing people, squeezing them hard, and only speaking a few sentences every 50 years. If it's ceramic, <laughs> does it like squeeze the juices out of them? So it's like a giant, like hellacious teapot, just like. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> you said ceramic, and I started going down Wizard of Oz. It's like, what would happen in Wizard of Oz this, universe if this thing existed? It'd be a demon teapot. This is why I want to play a D&D game with you, <laughs> Ariel, because this is exactly what I'm talking about. I do have space. I have an Eberron campaign. I have two Shadowfell campaigns, and we're going to go into the Feywild soon. We're going we're gonna to talk a little Ariel, bit. Ariel has killed multiple people's characters from the store. She, Ariel does Ryan not pull punches. i ugly cry. It's, it's great. <laughs> made my ugly cry. Yes. Oh, wow. Now, I've had the pleasure with Jamie, and I had to talk him into killing my character at one point in time, so that makes me very happy. Narratively, death is needed. Well, see, in the real world, no, but... Jamie is a good person. <laughs> Ariel is just so happy with her dark heart inside of her, apparently. I am, no. I specialize in body whore, so it's just like, can I get you to fill out this card of, like, uh, X topics here, and if you don't fill anything out... You'll get a private message about what happens to your eviscerated character. Does this card <laughs> tell you what not to do because you don't want to trigger people? Or is it just like a roadmap to what you're going to do to get to people's Both. Like, it's worst great. Pits? Multifunctional. Okay. 
Nice. There's an Adventure Time quote where basically it says that creepy is when we recognize things inside of us that we don't understand and we see it in the outside world, that's when we find it creepy. And I've always liked that quote for trying to get people to be scared while playing role-playing games. Well, the, the, the Zoltar... Maybe a better way to think about it is like a, a, a juicer, right? I mean, if it's going to grab people and squeeze them, you know, like a, a ceramic, a, like lemon juicer or something. It right? does have a very spiky head in the images, and I believe you could definitely use that to uh, get your orange juice in the morning. Yeah, and, and these minis, we, Ariel pointed out earlier, and now that I'm looking at them, I can't stop seeing it. They look very much like they were inspired by the new Dune movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very much. A lot of the Dune artwork as well, and and it's it's not only the Zoltar, but also the actual ruling family, the the, the characters that you need for playing the adventure. They, it's all ripped right out of Dune. Dune. They feel like they have kind of a little bit of like fashionable still suit design almost. Yeah. It's just like WizKids, please stop my wallet. Can only take so much. <laughs> they don't stop. They no, never they don't stop. Yeah, but it it should be interesting though because. This is the first time that they've ever created all the, the, the characters and the minis in a single pack. Oh, the, like the monsters that you're going to need as well. They went back and they revisited and they did, um, you could buy box sets of, here are all the major characters from Curse of Strahd, or here are all the major characters from, uh, was it, what's the fairy one, Weatherlight? Uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Witchlight, yeah. Yes. They, made, they made those as box sets too, and they... They hadn't done that before, but there was none of the monsters in there. And, and I think this one, the way I'm reading it, is this is the first time they're going to package the monsters, right? Exactly. And so pretty much everything that is in that story, you're going to be able to have there. And I know that they've done the blind boxes for sets mm-hmm. before. And I know that Epic Encounters does something very similar, where they basically kind of have an adventure in a box, if I'm correct Yep, they give that. you um, the map, a small little uh, booklet for the story, and usually like 25, 30-plus miniatures are actually really good. Good quality. I put them up against the uh, WizKids miniatures for what Steamforge did. But they it's its own story. It's oh, not yes. actually connected to no. anything within nope. the D&D proper universe. It so is this not. is It's like a good way to deal. do a one shot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and each one of the epic encounter ones has two boxes. They have like the main thing and then they have the boss fight. Yeah. And they have two separate things. And so the main one is an absolutely amazing way to get like I need an entire group of skeletons or goblins or kobolds or lizard men. And you get, you know, eight or diff- eight different models in that post or in that box. So it's not 20 of the same goblin attacking, right? You get some, mm-hmm. some right. options and a shaman or something like that that's mixed in there, a chieftain. Um, and even if you ignore the one-shot story, which the stories are actually pretty well written, but even if you ignore that, it's just a great way to get a whole bunch of minis that you might want to use to make your players cry later. Exactly. There's nothing's worse than uh, the book says I need 35 miniatures. I have two goblins and a uh, bottle cap. (laughs) (laughs) The terrifying, overpowered bottle cap. Oh, yes. Spinning blades of death in the bottle cap. <laughs> so, speaking of things that we are, you know, looking forward to playing with and, and seeing complete uh, whenever they come out, I did kind of skip over a new segment that well, an old segment we're trying to bring back again, and that is, what have you been playing lately? What is on your table now, Ariel? I'm going to start with you because I think Jamie is going to have a lot to say 
uh, from his past week away. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> what have you been playing lately? Um, I run a lot of 5th edition D&D because that is the system that people want to play. And uh, I'll play City of Mist with you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I have uh, two Shadowfell campaigns, the 4th edition setting that they really need to make another source book for. They gave us while Beyond the Witchlight. I really want them to update Shadowfell for new unspeakable horrors. Um, I do have an Eberron game that I am currently playing in as well as or actually running. I am playing in a Tyranny of Dragons um, that um, Ryan's she just, actually running. She motioned to her shirt, which oh, is yeah, sorry. Tyranny of Dragons. Yes. And um, also, what else am I playing? Oh, uh, Strixhaven, the Magic the Gathering setting that was uh, released. It's really, really fun, actually. You have campaigns like five nights of the week, don't you? Uh, yes, I fill it every waking moment with gaming <laughs> so I don't have to think about student dent or anything else like that. I mean, if you're always imagining, that's like dreaming, right? Oh, that's yeah. Keeping pretty, you sane. pretty much. Absolutely. Uh, sadly, my table is still filled up with paint supplies. I have not still finished my... I thought you uh, said you just finished uh, uh, Cthulhu Death May Die. Cthulhu Death May Die. Did you just move to another game? I am so close to being finished. I I have all the main things done, but I realized that I wanted to do some acrylics on some of the speed paints that I did and just like make the button shiny and make the gun a little bit more shiny and it's Oh no, you've gone down the rabbit hole. I know, I can't pull up. But my wife came into the store, bought a ton of games, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be getting the stink eye until I clear off the table here pretty soon. So that's on my list. But Jamie, I have a feeling that you've played a lot of games oh, lately. Man. Um, yeah, so anybody who didn't see the announcements on the store Facebook page, I just got back from the Origins Game Fair. That's where I was all last week. So first of all, you know, quick shout out and thank you to the staff for not letting the store burn down while I was gone. Always a threat. Um, no oh, one yeah, told you? Always a Always a benefit. Um, and, uh, yeah, I played so many cool games while I was there. Um, you know, I really, when I go to those things, I try to stay away from the big publisher booths to go wander down the back end of the hall to see what the smaller publishers are out there. When you, you find people that, like, this is their first game or maybe they got two games out or something like that. And I like to talk to those folks and see what they're coming up with because I get email bombed by the big publishers on a regular basis um and and i think that the game that i haven't been able to stop talking about so far was mission to planet hex and then it's out on a demo table at the game store i actually enjoyed playing it so much that i just bought a case to from the publisher to bring it back to the store um and it is a it's a hex tile lane game where you're building all the players are building a shared space galaxy to move around inside of to collect data cubes. And you use the data cubes to upload hexes from your hand uh, to complete your mission. Everybody has a unique mission card that they're working on. And uh, when you complete that mission, uh, there's it, it ends up becoming like a Mad Lib that you've got to read the whole thing together. And it's just kind of silly and ridiculous. So it's a little bit like a space hex game meets Munchkin because the puns are bad and there are so <laughs> many ways to screw all your friends. Every time they try to do something, you're like, oh, really? But wait, there's more. It's because their interrupts are called surprises. Surprise, I am getting ready to screw you. Uh, and so we just had a ton of fun playing that. Um, uh, God, what, what else did I play? I, while you're thinking about yeah. it, I just want to say that Jamie loves this game so much that he's actually taught it to me twice. I came in, he taught it to me, I was sold. I came in another day, 
He's like, have you heard about Planet X? I said, yes, you just told me about it. He says, great, let me show you it. And taught me all over again. He is that excited. He just wants to talk about it. It was so, so fun. It was it was so fun. Um, also, sometimes you find like silly games too, right? And you're like, this is such a, a unique little game. I played a demo of this game from tabletopgames.com. No, uh, gametable.com. And it's called Mountain Goats. And it was just such a simple dice roller, push your luck style game. But I got into this really heated competition between me and the demo guy and a seven-year-old kid. <laughs> and and it's, it's the sign of a really great game where the seven-year-old kid was actually getting ready to roll two, two adults that are both gamers that we played for our whole lives. And, and we had to shut him down, like, get back to your place, kid. I mean, what are you doing there? <laughs> And so, um, you know, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, Brothers, awesome. BA Games, we all thought it started for, stood for Bad Attitude because of, you know, BA Baracus mm -hmm. uh, from the A-Team. But no, it stands for the Brothers Awesome. That's the name of their company because it's oh. uh, five brothers that started a, a game company together. And they have a game coming out that I'm super looking forward to called Cult of the Deep. And Cult of the Deep is like... Um, it's a social deduction game where it, it reminded me a little bit of Shadow Hunters, where nobody knows who each other is at the beginning of the game, but you know some people are on your team and some people are on the other team, and you're trying to figure out who's who. Uh, a little bit of uh, King of Tokyo with some dice rolling and push your luck elements in there, and a little bit of Elder Signs, kind of some dark Cthulhu deep mythos going along. And it was really innovative. It was a really cool playthrough experience. And so that's a that's a demo game that they were playing, showing us off. Um, and it's they're getting ready to ship. I think it'll probably ship in July. Yeah. Uh, so we had a lot of fun with that. But I think, man, I think the biggest hit of amongst all the other retailers, if I took all my friends that were there and, and what nobody could stop talking about was Boop. Boop is a new game coming out from Smirk and Dagger. And uh, we decided that the, the only appropriate... Uh, marketing hashtag for it is have you booped today <laughs> <laughs> i think oh, that's adorable to keep this family friendly we need to describe the game a little bit more than yes. just that term yes so boop is a game where you um you take the pieces out you flip the box upside down and then you play on the back of the box and it's the box the inside box the edges of it are made to look like a bed skirt and you actually put a uh, like a mattress on the back of the box, so it's like your and what you are is your cats bouncing on the bed, <laughs> trying to be the per, the cat who's in charge and in control of who gets to stay on the bed. Which uh, I have two cats, and who is on the bed? They can't coexist on the bed. I don't know why this is, but they cannot be on the bed at the same time. They're fighting. If you've not had cats fighting on top of you over who gets to be on the bed, it's not a great experience. And so, uh, Boop, you start off with three kittens, and you have to get your kittens onto the bed in such a way that you get three in a row. And if you do, those kittens upgrade to cats. And if you ever get three cats in a row, that's how you win the game. Interesting. But, yeah, but each time you place a kitten, it boops and, or bumps um, all the cats uh, on the squares around it in a concentral circle where they all move one space away. So you're trying to play the bounce to put your cats or kittens into the right position. At the same time, the other person's trying to stop you from getting your cats in the, in the position. And it's a lot of unique chain reaction things that happen throughout the course of the game. And it seems like it's, 
everybody, you all know now all the rules to the game, and yet I think this is a game that is going to be simple to play and hard to master as you go along. It's like tic-tac-toe on steroids. Um, even beyond, you know, we're all huge fans of Goblet Gobblers, but it's, it's, it's way beyond that one. And, uh, man, we had so much fun. And it was so ridiculous that we're all sitting there, like, bouncing kittens on the bed. <laughs> and, and yet we couldn't, nobody could stop talking about it. That, that's, I think, probably going to be the biggest release coming out of the, and it, it should drop probably right before Gen Con. Now, Jamie, I know that you are a huge proponent of making sure that you actually can see what the game does on the back of the box. Does this dissuade you? Is this a good enough reason to not have like an actual picture of what's inside the box on the back of the box? No, no, it still has the picture on the back of the box. Really? It's the so you um, there, there's literally like it's it's it feels like a cloth mattress, like a really thin quilted. It's quilted. Mm-hmm. Um, like a quilted mattress, and you put that in the box, and then when you're ready to play, you turn the box over, and you put that mattress on the top of it. So the edge of it looks like the bed skirting, and then the mattress is on top. So, Yeah, and then that's what you play on. So you really in the box is your rules, the mattress, and then the two sets of kittens and cats for the players. In my head, you just said premium pieces, and that's always going to sell me. So, yes. Oh, yeah, they're really nice wooden pieces, too. They did a really nice job on them. They could have cheaped out or something Mm -hmm. on them, but they're really nice. So, um, and and man, probably the last one I'll talk about right now, because I I could, there were so many games. It was so fun. Um, Spill. Spill was a, is, is a Kickstarter that we missed it. I don't know how we missed it because we love Smirk and Dagger games, but we missed it. And Spill is a game about an oil spill, and you're cooperatively trying to rescue the animals from before the oil slick hits the animals. And so uh, up to four people are moving around the outside of this oil rig, and the oil rig is a big plastic oil rig in the center of the, of the, uh, uh, of the board. And you're moving around trying to save the animals. And um, it really felt like a modern, updated version of Pandemic. Because with a little bit of elements of Forbidden Island, because as certain things happen, like in Forbidden Island, when you get the Water Rises cards, the danger tracker moves up, and then you have to start drawing more cards. And it gets harder and harder to win the game. Same thing happens on this one. There's, a, there's events that trigger where you're dropping more dice because the mechanic that people are going to love is the center oil rig is actually a dice roller. And so every turn, the first thing you do on your turn is you take you know whatever the appropriate number of, of dice are. They're black dice that are kind of purposely Ooh. made to look like they're swirly, like they have an oil mm-hmm. slick effect on them because they're the oil. And you drop them in through the tower, and where they bounce out of the tower dictates what's going to happen that game. And you can have oil slick breakouts, and, and you're trying to rescue the animals. And it's just like Pandemic. There's a lot of ways to lose, but a very narrow margin that you're actually going to be able to win it. And... I think that people are going to be completely addicted to the sound of the dice bouncing through that dice tower as it comes out. Interesting. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a big one. That one, I'm not sure if that one's even going to make it out as shipping in 2022. But we had a prototype of it. Man, it was so it was good. It was really good. Ooh, all right, one more, one more, one more. <laughs> We're not stopping you, Jay. Yeah, one more, one more. The I, I I got a chance to play with the final proof prototype uh, prototype of Frosthaven. Oh yeah, and uh, Price from Cephalofair was there, and I got to sit down with him for a while, 
And if anybody is a fan of Gloomhaven, you're in. You're going to be so happy. It is the Kickstarter version coming out, which is what we got coming to the store, is so beautiful and so detailed. And it takes everything that they that you loved about in Gloomhaven. They streamlined a few things that got kind of where you get bogged down in it. Um, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, Gloomhaven was the first of these massive box board games that came out. The original Gloomhaven drops in at 23 pounds of content, right? Each box is 23 pounds. Frosthaven's 30 pounds for one game, right? You must, you know, you, uh, you, if you have any back restrictions, you might not be able to pick up one board game at this point. And uh, the the amount of content that they've crammed in there and, and everything, it looks so it looks so good. Oh gosh, Jamie, what if I told you there's a chance that you can make that box weigh even more? Uh, put in organizers inside of it. Close. So coming back to our news article. Okay, what do you got? There is a uh, new boy on the scene named Backerkit. I don't know if it's a boy. Let's not genderize anything. Uh, there's a new player in the scene as far as it comes to crowdfunding platforms. Oh, I know what you're going. Where you're going? Yes. So we all know Kickstarter, and there's definitely some woes there that they're working on. That's a future article that we're going to hopefully get to today. But uh, we've all known that whenever Backerkit, I mean, whenever Kickstarter has really kicked off, sometimes the pledge experience has not been the best. And that's where services like GameFound and Backerkit have been extremely helpful in helping people actually do the fulfillment. Uh, we'd found out a few weeks ago that GameFound is kind of launching its own crowdfunding source. Because GameFound got a pretty massive investment from Robinsberger, exactly. who is famous mostly for puzzles, but they've been introducing some board games like the Villainous Games. And making a huge splash from that. Yeah. Backerkit is now getting into that field as well. Yeah. While they promise they are still going to be providing services for people that are doing Kickstarters and probably GameFound, we've actually learned that with their new crowdfunding, they have already gotten quite a few licenses. Uh, there's some tech things on there. There's some art things on there. There's some toys on there. And the first big board game one is going to be a Gloomhaven-specific miniature kit which basically can fill in for both Frosthaven and Gloomhaven, I believe, the the usual cardboard stand-ins, where normally in that game, the only miniatures are your characters, characters. themselves. Yeah. So now you could literally have all of the monsters, all of the villains from the game as 3D models as well. Yeah, I, I forgot. I'm so glad you brought this one up, because I, I talked to Price about that one a little bit too. It's going to be, they're, they're going to be available to be sold as kits, because there's some monsters that are in Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, which is kind yes. of like a learn-to-play Gloomhaven, um, and uh, Forgotten Circles, and Frosthaven. So they want to make it so that you don't have to rebuy if you buy the, the, the Gloomhaven pack or the Frosthaven pack. So there'll be like one kit of the monsters that cross over all the games, and then another kit of these are the ones that are specific only to Gloomhaven, these are the ones only to Frosthaven, these are the ones only to Jaws of the Lion. So, yeah, that I wonder how much the box would weigh by the time you put all those minis in there. And will it actually fit into one box? Ariel, as our resident mm -hmm. RPG player, have you ever gotten to delve into Gloomhaven? I went over to a friend's house to play Gloomhaven, but they didn't tell me there's a 45-minute setup. We had an hour to play the game. <laughs> I would have thought that planning would be better, but honestly, 
it was very nice to see them unpack the box. <laughs> there is so much to go through. And that's one of the reasons I would highly suggest if you ever wanted to give it a try, do Jaws of the Lion. Uh, they are following the Plat Hat concept of have a book that has maps in it mm-hmm. and has little quests in it so that you don't necessarily have to spend the 45 minutes of actual setup. Uh, and that, I believe, is is bad. Uh, that was a faux pas for your friend who did not have that set up before you came. Yeah, they should have had it set up when you got there. Come on. Yeah, the, the, that's the friend that uh, puts things off to the last minute, but mm. is just like, still had fun watching them panic trying to organize everything. You know, Gloomhaven is one of the games that I tell people, anybody who touches it, I'm like, you're going to want to buy the organizer. You need the organizer. or you Because the organizer you can set up and after you get that, put in place and it takes a long time to get the organizer done but once you get it all put together now you can set up gloomhaven in like five minutes yeah somebody actually dropped off a um, consignment game of gloomhaven with the um the heavy wooden organizer insert in it i don't know if it's still there but it was like 90 bucks so if it's still there it's a great deal 90 dollars for gloomhaven with the organizer yeah oh that's that's pretty spicy actually Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but with the with this with all these announcements, I did read this one, uh, and it's interesting because I learned at Origins that uh, Backerkit bought Crowdox. We back a lot of Kickstarters from the store, and I have opinions about different pledge managers, and Crowdox was the one I hated the wor- the most when when um, our local designers that we have were asking me about opinions on stuff. I'm like, just whatever you do, don't use Crowdox. I hate that platform. I hate that system so much. And and I would usually tell them that Backerkit was my favorite one to use as a retailer to fill out their pledge manager because it just seemed the most streamlined and the easiest to use. This news that they're going full on out into the world as the, a full pledge manager system I don't know how I feel about it, man. I've got to be honest with you. That's one more set of emails you have to keep track of. Yeah, it's another whole other website to track on top of it. It was it was already getting bad enough tracking uh, GameFound and Kickstarter to make sure we had the cool stuff. And now there's another one? I just saw the light go out just from Jamie's eyes. Just, it just faded into the distance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's because every publisher has a different idea they have a different set of numbers they have a different thing and i have to learn all of their different methodology and what the details of the retailer program are and does they work for the do they work for our store and and there's no standardization there's no this is a you know when you work with distribution good bad right or wrong it's it's pretty standard how it works across all the distributors in our industry but now you know, I used to order from five different companies when I first bought the store. Now I'm ordering. We have over 160 different vendors that we have purchased things from, and tracking all of that is with three of us now, right? Uh, Ariel, uh, Alexis does most of the stuff um, in terms of ordering from distribution, and then Jesse and I split up the job duties of most of the direct stuff of tracking down various like. Like yesterday, Ryan's like, hey, can we get IOTA from GameRight? Oh, well, GameRight got purchased by Seco, but Seco just got acquired by Buffalo. And did our account from we had from Seco transfer to, you know, that sort of stuff is just becoming a giant nightmare to track down as we're, the, our industry is fragmenting. And it's, it's going to give me a migraine. And one of the main problems that started this all was the fall of the king Kickstarter. 
Yeah. Which, especially over time, they have tried to make adjustments, but in their latest news that we've actually covered on this podcast, uh, they have been making choices that the public are just not happy about, uh, including some nebulous messaging about wanting to include the blockchain in their business in some way, shape, or form, Yeah, uh, as well as uh, making some allusions to wanting to get in on more emerging technologies that people are not exactly for. However, Chase Carter over at Dicebreaker uh, wrote a brilliant article about one of the ways they're trying to maybe get their crown back on. Uh, So basically, Kickstarter has created a community advisory council where they have pulled people from all the different elements that use Kickstarter trying to right the ship, trying to get an insight and be shown a way of investment that is really going to try and get back to the people that are actually using Kickstarter itself. One of the people for board gaming that came up is actually Philip Reed, and he is the CEO of Steve and Jackson Games, which I think we all know as Munchen, mm-hmm. um, but has also provided a few other great games as well. Yeah, he's he's made a ton of side games that actually aren't part of Steve Jackson Games. I have no idea how their relationship works and, and what he does, but like he's written one shots for Morkborg and little tiny games and some big giant you know full robust games as well and so um, it, it's been all over the place with with him on there and uh, I don't I've never met him personally but everybody says he's a really nice guy and he's ridiculously smart so hopefully he can bring some sanity back into it you know the the blockchain got bashed pretty hard but once it came out how bad it was for the environment with the number of computers running um, to process the blockchain and then nfts and and the kind of scammy um, things that were coming out around nfts and artists having their their work stolen and it's just been a bad year well and then right now right we're in the middle of a massive cryptocurrency valuation collapse completely mm-hmm. with people having lost hundreds of millions of dollars um, on blockchain and so I think this is a really smart move on their part um, other big companies have advisory councils as well and boards of directors and things of that nature and uh, I only knew two people out of the 12 on that list that I've ever heard before but it's cool that they've got people coming from every different part of the, every different segment. Well, I didn't recognize a lot of the names. I did recognize a lot of the projects that they work on. So uh, you have uh, producers and actor from uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Super Troopers. Uh, you have some uh, people from the fashion industry. You have people from the music industry, the web comic industry, a mechanical engineer and founder of Mechanical Design Labs, uh, art historians, someone that has called themselves a world builder. I'm not exactly sure what that is. Um, But even from just random people within the game design world, within the fashion world, within the technology world, all the people that really utilize Kickstarter, it sounds like they try to make sure to get at least one person to represent the main holders within their site. And I, I feel like that is a good move. And they've already come out and said this council's main goal is to help clarify some of the choices that they've been making lately to alleviate people's worries about getting into them. And they've already kind of come out and said, we are not going to be doing NFTs. That is not something that Kickstarter is going to be supporting. So I think that they're they're writing the ship. But I don't know, now that we have these other programs like 
GameFound and BackerKit getting into the world, I don't know if they'll ever be able to reclaim their dominance like they used to. So what you're telling me is that they've reforged the sword, but they have not yet claimed the throne of Gondor yet. It's true. Okay. <laughs> There's two hobbits out there with a wondering trying to get somewhere, and until that day comes, there will be upsurfers. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where this goes in the future, because the unfortunate truth is, I know of. Excuse me. I know of at least one other major company in our industry that has an advisory council that never takes their advice. And um, uh, we'll see if it comes out. Because I know people on that particular advisory council, like, yeah, they showed us this. We said, don't do this. And then they did it anyway. And half the time, by the time anything gets to the advisory council, it's already too late to change direction. And they just want the advisory council to sign off on stuff. And, you know, it's good to know that the people that are on that have the integrity enough to say, this is a bad idea. We're not signing off on this. Don't do this. So um, we'll see how Kickstarter handles this going forward in the future. Uh, I'm not sure if any of our listeners watch the show Atlanta, made by um, Donald Glover, yeah. who is famous for Childish, Community, Childish Gambino. Uh in the show Atlanta, they have an episode where they cover an advisory council for um, cultural sensitivity. Oh, dear. And how that process seems to work from a specific point of view. Now, it is all satire, so take it for a grain of salt. But it is a very interesting insight into how people can utilize their voice and then how they can truly utilize their voice and the money that comes from that. So, Yeah, I've watched a few episodes of that one, but it's... Um, I don't know how you consume as much media as you do, John. I, I can't even keep up with just the the truly sci-fi nerdy stuff that's out. I, I struggle. Ariel uh, plays D&D all the time. I'm just watching everything on three screens all at once. Just it's and My wife actually thought that I, when she got married to me, that she would understand how I understood all the cultural relevance and historical knowledge that I do about geekdom. She's like, okay, I'll see him when he's on his phone just researching stuff all day long. She still doesn't understand how I absorb it all. She thinks I have like an internal Wi-Fi that I'm just constantly downloading information. We just need to join our powers to be unstoppable. Right? Yeah. That's what I know. I'm still behind and I haven't watched. I'm not caught up on Obi-Wan right now. And Grant berated me so hard last night. Yesterday. I can't believe you haven't watched it yet. I need somebody to talk about this with. How can you not be caught up? You better be caught up next week because it's the last episode and I need somebody to talk about it. That's a pretty good Grant impression, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Like the gesticulation <laughs> was great. Is Grant here? We don't need him on the podcast <laughs> next week now. Um, but I will say that I did stay up till 2 o'clock just to finish Stranger Things. So there is sacrifices that I'm making. I haven't even started Did they Stranger do part things. two already? No. Oh, I'm okay. only, I just was finishing part one. Um, but it's fantastic if you're a fan. Yeah, I so. woke up one day. It's just like, why is it 1986 in Kate Bush? What are you, what's happening? And <laughs> Twitter then I, exploded into, and, and Kate Bush's song now is on like the top oh, yeah. charts. It's yeah, insane. I opened up TikTok and caught five of them in a row. Just like, what is going on? And I kept on, there was no real scene in the show where that's like, that kind of there's a big one. But it's just that there's repetition in every episode of listening to parts of that mm -hmm. song. I think it's just been burrowed into people's zeitgeist at this point that's interesting it, it is so it's kind of like when wayne's world all of a sudden brought queen back exactly right queen like had been kind of dwindling a little bit after freddie mercury had passed away and then 
Drop Bohemian Rhapsody into Wayne's World, and all of a sudden Queen rockets back. And I think Bohemian Rhapsody might be the only song that's hit number one three different times, three separate times. And uh, yeah, I, re- I remember that we, everyone's like, oh my God, Queen, have you ever listened to Queen? I'm like, I have older siblings. Yes, we have all the <laughs> albums at home. Well, Queen was definitely uh, an eternal hotness, but let's actually take a turn right now to look at the new hotness in the store, which I completely forgot to take a picture of, uh, and that's on me. However, I think between the three of us, we could piece together some things that are on the shelf that we're actually looking forward to. The one that uh, I was actually in the store and saw someone beeline for, actually ask for, was Vin. Yeah, Vin is a new release from... uh... I'm going to call them USA Outplay. I think they want to be called the OP now, but the OP is a clothing line from when I was in junior high, and I, I can't get behind the rename can't on this one. Can't reconcile that. Understood. Yeah. Yes. Ocean Pacific. Do you guys even? You guys aren't even old enough to remember that, are you? I'm vaguely. I was never fashionable as a kid. Yeah, I wasn't either. Yeah. Other kids had OP clothes. I didn't have them. Gotcha. Uh, but Venn is a game where um, a Venn diagram, right? If you got three or more circles, well, two or more circles overlapping, and it's a game of trying to you get a card that tells you what the center circle is and you have to use pictures to try to get people to guess and to and put them in the circles around the outside and try to figure out what the overlaps are. So um, it's getting great reviews right now online from just kind of a really innovative play style on it and something kind of, you know, it's kind of lighter but thinky and, you know, it reminds me a little bit, it's got a little bit of vibes of uh, Dixit to it, right, where you've got some of these kind of obscure cards or maybe even Mysterium where you're using these obscure cards and trying to communicate things to other people. Um, and it's been, it's getting just amazing reviews all over the place. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one. Uh, the one that I put in there is mission of planet hex. I'm not sure if you guys have heard about this, it's I, really I good. Twice, but if you want to teach me how to play it later, we definitely can. Uh, I did know that there is the new root expansions that have come out as well. Yeah. Root Marauder. This is uh, we got the Kickstarter version and we just got it all packaged up and put in there on Friday. We had to sort it out because from Kickstarter to actually arriving in the game store, they changed the name of some of the boxes and components and, and, and we had, in our system, we had everything created, named after what was on the Kickstarter. And what actually arrived were different things, and we were very confused. And Ryan finally unscrambled and read through all the posts of the Kickstarter updates over time to figure out how we got from A to, to W. Um, but it adds um, the rats and badgers as two new player um, races. Marauders as well. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, their class? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because the whole game, every time they put out a new box set, is all about Root is a game of uh, cute, fuzzy creatures can, uh, massacring each other in a woodland scenario, right? Woodland war. And John and I have talked about it many times that uh, I am the only one at the store that's not a huge fan, and John just says because I played with the wrong faction and the wrong people. So he's determined to get it, me back to the table with it. So... Stay tuned for a future podcast episode where Jamie has to redact everything that he's ever said about Root. Just one episode directed about Root and Jamie being wrong. That's oh. what it's going to come <laughs> But have you played the Root tabletop game? I think you actually might like it. Uh, no, we we had it, and I. That's again, I would defer to you and all things RPG. So 
Oh, I actually bullied Ben into this. Actually, it was Ben's idea. I just reinforced it um, because it's fun to get him riled up. Anyway, it's a 2D6 system. It's really easy. You can make a character in like 10 minutes, even just using the PDFs online. It is very easy to start, and it um, it's very narratively driven, if that makes a bit of sense. Um, it's a fun little little animal war game i would say um i want it to be warhammer 40k it is in fact cute woodland creatures i made it warhammer 40k but it's okay <laughs> i will say i have heard rumors that someone came in looking for root and you managed to sell them on the yes. role-playing game yeah it's it's hard to get the base game in stock oh, like with great frequencies once we get it in it just immediately goes back out but yeah i've sold a couple copies of the uh, role-playing game because if they are interested in any type of tabletop thing and they really like root it is a nice little mashup of it and i thought at first when i picked up the books this is gonna be a cash grab it's like are you just trying to sell me a tabletop book because this board game was awesome for a lot of people and no they actually put some love into it which always makes me happy that i'm not just you know here's my 60 dollars or however much it is and I, have I think pretty it pictures. was Magpie that, that did the, the RPG, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and it's it's a beautiful book. It's I think it comes sealed in plastic, so it's really, really frustrating. So it's just like, ooh, this is a gamble. But no, I would honestly recommend it if you happen to like the style of Root and want a pretty simple, easy access um, RPG to run or play with that same type of flavoring of Woodland Warfare. Um, it's a great choice. Now, when you were younger, did you ever read any of the Brian Jacques books? Like yeah, Redwall. Redwall and yep. Lost Flower and stuff? That's that's all I think about every time I look at Root is is those books you know, um, and and I love those books. And Kelly has them all in her school classroom library, and it Aww. makes me happy. There's actually quite a few RPGs that are mm -hmm. on the new hotness right now. There's the City of Mist starter set. Oh yeah, which is uh, the MC book which is basically the Dungeon Master's Guide, as well as the Player's Guide, and I think a DM screen as yep. well. Uh, City of Mist is a, I would say, lighter fare. I don't know how much you've gotten to get into it before. I have gone to run a one-shot. I'm trying to set up a campaign with it, but I, as you have heard, have organized every bit of my life with other tabletop games, so I literally need like an eighth day of the week to just add some more gaming to it. But it's fantastic and there's lots of resources online so if you don't have an adventure planned they give you some for free exactly and there's some really great podcasts out there that actually do mm -hmm. actual plays of it one though that caught my eye is there's anime 5e as well yes that is a gift from uh the gaming gods of jamie uh basically <laughs> to the store and it's really really good looking it has the nice accessibility font beautiful artwork and uh I think if you've ever wanted your Dungeons and Dragons to be just a little bit more hardcore and anime, you know, blood splatter, fantastical magic girl power, um, that is probably the best one for it. Jesse said the entire book is just filled with anime tropes of every character type that's been in the various shows. And he's like, you can, if you saw it in uh, your favorite anime, it's probably in this book. Still runs on the 5e system. But it's, you can, he's like, the classes are just amazing. And it's a newer one from Japanime Games. Okay. And they've done quite a few things, I think, in the RPG realm before. Yes. It feels like millennials wrote this book. Like, I don't know who actually wrote the book. I'm not saying anything, but it's just like, hmm, this, this feels contemporary to me. <laughs> nice. I'm trying to think what else is on the new hotness. I feel like I'm missing something. Gargoyles, the board game. That is one that if you have a 90s nostalgia within you, it's actually worth picking up. It is beautiful. Uh, yeah. I've gotten to play it. It's gotten on my table before. It 
has a 3D like height mechanic to it because for those of you that watch the show, gargoyles glide. They don't actually um, fly on their own. So in order to go further on the map, in order to get where you need to go, you actually have to get on top of buildings and then jump off. But the nice thing is there's uh, scenarios for each set. So you're playing through some of the kind of classic characters and classic ideas. And each one of them has some different mechanics to them. So it's actually is worth your time. And another one that we just dropped in there too has a tie-in to Gargoyles um, is uh, Sorcerer's Arena. Disney mm-hmm. Disney Arena, which is based off the app, and I mean, Demona's from Gargoyles, right? That's Demona is from Gargoyles, which yeah. is technically a Disney property, but doesn't she doesn't usually get pulled into the Disney Princess? She's in the core box, of Sorcerer's Arena and and uh, or Disney Arena, and Disney Arena is a two or four player skirmish game. You can either play one versus one or teams of two, and you control. Um, you know, characters again pulled out of the app. The app's really popular, and you play a skirmish game with them. So if you play two players, each one will control three people, three uh, characters. And if you're playing on four, then you each get two. And it is I. It's another one I played at Origins. Played a full game there. I got to play a full game with Steve at um, when we did beers and brews at Keg Grove last week, and it legitimately feels like you're playing the characters from whatever property, whatever movie it came out of. At Origins, my team was uh, Sully from Monsters, Inc., um, Aladdin, and um, uh, Maleficent. Mm. So Sully's tanking up front, Aladdin's hit and run, sneaking, flying through with the carpet, right? And then Maleficent standing in the back and just launching bombs. And and then when Maleficent got pulled into it, and I thought she was going to die, um, then I pulled out the the dragon power. We're at the end of the the, the original um, uh, Cinderella. Sleep. Cinderella. Sleeping, Cinderella. Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty. Beauty. Sleeping. She turns into the dragon. Mm-hmm. Well, you you completely heal yourself when you turn into the dragon form, and That's then fantastic. you just really just rip into the other players and stuff too. And it, it feels like you're actually playing those characters because the moves, the art, the cards, everything is taken right from um, the cartoons. And it was it was just such a good experience, too. So that's in the new hotness right now as well. Now, I do have some problems with this game. Okay. Not because of how it's played, because it actually sounds awesome, and now yeah. I actually want to really get it on a table. But it is called Sorcerer's Arena. You were correct in that title, and I know you were trying to put Disney on there. And I think part of the confusion is there's some characters on there that are very much magic users. There's some characters on there that are some questionable magic users, like Ariel, but she has her father's trident. Okay, I can see that as a magic user. But like Sully and Gaston, I'm not exactly sure how they made the cut as sorcerers. I mean, it's the I... power of Pex. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Ga- I take yeah, it all back. I take it all back. Ariel Gaston is yeah, he's a straight up tank, right? He's a brawler in the middle, same as Sully. They're both brawlers. But Sully does does have some um, magic door powers, right? Where he steps through a door and and, and he steps out a different door, so that because he they call him the loyal tank. So if you've got another one of your characters that's really hurt um, below halfway point, Sully can step through a door, step out next to them on the other side of the board to tank for them, and then he has a taunt ability where you can't attack anybody except for him until the taunt ability goes away. And just, you know, um, Gaston's actually a barbarian. He's a bard. Of 
course. Did you not listen to that song? He got everybody else to sing, and he also bare fist climbed a castle with, I don't know if he had a gun or a knife in his mouth, but he did that in the rain. That's true. He did rile up the entire populace and get them to bring out the torches and the pitchforks to go against the Beast's castle. Ariel, I feel like I had a 15-minute rant just (laughs) scheduled to talk about this game, and you've solved it in two minutes. Like, that's amazing. Okay, I'm in it. I'm in all in. It was was fun. It was legitimately fun. And then, um, you know, and one of the things that they made as a a decision to keep the price point down is, uh, you know, the last five years, every game has been, every box has been full of minis. And minis raise the price, right? Because the cost of um, the molds to make a single mini, I've heard quotes as saying that a single mini, the mold uh, for the injection process could be like 25 or 30 grand per mini. Well, they made the decision um, that they didn't want to package plain gray minis in the box. So they did acrylic full color standees in there. And they still feel nice, but it's really nice to see that full color artwork on each one of them, front and back, so you can tell which direction they're facing too. And so I, I just thought that was a really innovative problem solving moment where they were like, we don't want this game to be unaffordable. We want this to be a family-friendly kind of entry into skirmish games, but we got to keep the price point down to do that. And with our production woes that just seem to continue over and over again, that makes a lot of sense now. And I will say that the the standees look exceptionally good. Yeah, and the first expansion pack drops in a couple of weeks, and then there's one more scheduled, I think, right before we go into the holiday season. Um, There was actually supposed to be three total expansions dropping this year. Each one adds four new characters to the game. And uh, one of them, they've already said, it's not going to make it. It's not. We're not going to get it into the United States in time because of production issues. So they've already pushed that one back until I think after um, uh, after Valentine's Day. Well, if Disney Source Arena sounds good to you, you can definitely come to the shop right now. It is on the demo table. You can check it out. You can see the amazing pieces, all their abilities. But what would be some other reasons why people might want to come into the shop this week? Well, I mean, we're heading down the pipe hardcore at uh, Double Masters, the new Magic set. Mm. We did just get some news that the collector's boxes are already, they already know they're pushing back. Um, So we're pushing those back until at least three weeks after the release of Double Masters. Um, It's a new, you know, kind of high-end set for Magic the Gathering. We're also coming down the barrel pretty fast at this point at um, the release of the new Pokemon Go set. So it's uh, Pokemon Go, of course, was the app that got a, a ton of people introduced into the world of Pokemon. And this is the first time the TCG card game has entered into that barrel too. So for both of those games, we're trying to confirm numbers. And you're, you're listening to this too on Sunday. I am hoping no later than Tuesday that we're going to be able to open up pre-orders. That's my goal if we can get distributors to confirm uh, numbers that we're getting because we never want to oversell, right? We don't want to promise somebody that, yeah, we've got product coming for you and it doesn't actually show up at the store. So hopefully we're going to get those num- open pre-sales open on Tuesday. And then um, Christmas for Ariel is next Saturday. It is. Free RPG Day 2022 is Saturday, June 25th. And we've got a whole day scheduled. We've got, well, okay, somewhere in the wild, our boxes for the kits and stuff are floating around. So they better show up this week. 
Um, but we've got a whole day of RPG demos and one shots that are going to be going on for. I'm running one for Zombicide Chronicles. Um, John, are you running one? Uh, I did not get to sign up this year. I okay. signed up in the past, but I'm actually going to be playing in your Zombie Side campaign. Yes. So that's good. Yeah. Ariel, Everybody is, knows how much I love mm-hmm. Zombicide. So oh, he has so much. Uh, Ariel, is there any being the RPG expert? Mm-hmm. What is some of the highlights that you're seeing out of Free RPG Day? Oh my goodness. Um, I think one of the things I really like about a lot of the free RPG stuff is they oftentimes release one-page RPGs. Uh, I haven't gotten through the entire set list today because I'm. Part of me wants to say, which is like, I'm going to open up the day. I'm going to discover it is your everything. Christmas. That makes sense. And uh, part of me is just like, no, I want all of it so I can gremlin and collect all of them. Um, kind of like a <laughs> complete my Pokédex. I complete my RPG decks, much more expensive. Um, but. Things like, um, if you've ever played the one-page RPG, um, I think it's called Everyone is John. Yes. Yes. It is phenomenal. It kind of makes RPGs more accessible, because if you hand somebody a Dungeons & Dragons character sheet, it's not one of the worst ones. The worst one, I think, go to Cyberpunk. Um, I love that one, too. But if you get handsome like that, it's not really, it's like, what, what do you do with this? Like, it's not intuitive. Whereas uh, ones that are more narratively driven you don't really have a character you just get two d6 dice and you can play i think it is more approachable for a lot of people and can make them you know consider like hey this might be a genre i actually really 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 like um so i'm mostly excited to draw more people into the community but if there was one thing i wish was be on a free rpg day that i'm going to try and bully annie annie oh my god anna into if not me is magical kitties Mm. We need more magical kitties in the world. My wife actually bought that at Sitting on Our Shelf. We haven't cracked it open yet, but she, it's one of the few to. RPGs that she was like, oh, I want this in our collection. Anna's okay. running something, but I don't know what she signed up to do because Anna's, she's running a magical kitties campaign at home mm-hmm. and an aliens campaign. Yes. I don't know which one she's doing. Please tell me those have crossover planned. Oh, I mean, you can. Oh, wow. <laughs> you can. Uh, I mean, the magical kitties can't really die so i'm i'm not sure how well they fit in but oh they could be little xenomorphs oh that'd be so cute and terrifying and i know sean is um one of the weird kind of indie ones that we picked up just because of the name sean is planning on running um was it the uh sky raccoons oh yeah raccoon sky pirates raccoon sky pirates that's what it is yeah, Sean's planning on running that one too. I don't. I have no idea what's going to happen with that one as well. Fascinating. And there's there's also a one page um, RPG coming out to run as the familiars from Critical Role. <laughs> so that's Marisha Ray. I think worked with somebody on that. Correct. Yeah. 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 So so a free RPG day is one. You can just come in, and we're going to have a selection of all the stuff from the kits that are going to be available for free. That you can pick up as like it's a lot of little. If you're not familiar, it's a lot of little introductory adventures or um, one shots or you know look at our cool um, systems that we've created. Just those ways to check things out to introduce people to it, so you can get a little taste before you really deep dive into an RPG system. So that will all be available. We'll have all that stuff on the counter. Um, you know, some of it is going to be pretty limited and pretty popular, and there will be some raffles going on to get some of the really limited stuff. We have some stuff left over from last year, so you'll be able to take as much of that as you want from last year's free RPG day because um, it wasn't as big because we were still in pandemic mode yeah. last year, right? We could we didn't even run any games last year. Um, and then there will be games that you will be able to sign up for, and they're all like two to three hour little quick 
intros to you could try different things. I think there's a different RPG demo starting like every half an hour with the first one at 9.30 in the morning. And so you just got to figure out which ones you want to try to plug into as you go along throughout the day. And then there will be sales. And um, we do a sale every year. Free RPG Day is about every system that's not Dungeons & Dragons. And so um, usually every day, every year for Free RPG Day, there's a sale on RPG systems that are not Dungeons & Dragons to go along with it. So um, we haven't actually pinned down exactly what that is yet, but stay it tuned. Warhammer. The Warhammer starter set is one of the best ones that I think is on the market, actually. The 40K one yes. or the Age of Sigmar one? Uh, the, I think it's the 40K one because it comes with um, these envelopes that have like all your character and things like your little operative information. And it does. that's one of the things that it does that a lot of the other starter sets don't do. It's like, oh, here's a pre-fill out character page. Here is, here is everything. It is really in-depth. It's really good. And I think people just don't look at it because they're like, I don't care about Warhammer the war game, but it's like probably a solid like nine out of ten. Like I don't know how it could be more perfect unless they give you a miniature in it to represent that character. Wow, that's high praise from Ariel oh, right no there. Joke. Well, if you want to come in and check out the Warhammer RPG, definitely do on Free RPG Day. Hopefully, we'll have some of those around. But with that, our episode is coming to a close. Uh, I'd like to thank the staff members who joined me today. And if you want your chance to talk to your tabletop, uh, talk about your tabletop with them, uh, come and find them at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois. Where, if you want to rent a game and not actually buy a game, we have an amazing rental library. Uh, mm-hmm. That you can pay a fraction of the cost of the game, rent the game per day, and then if you want to keep the game, all the money you spent goes towards a brand new copy of that game. Try it before you buy it. Exactly. Make sure it's something that's going to work for your family or your playgroup before you put the money down. We also have Magical Kitties in there. It's one of the few RPGs in there. <laughs> I want to thank Dylan Mesner for the use of our theme song, and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice, or... Come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout out on the show. But until next time, keep playing. Peace out, y'all. Take care.